So what happened again in March 21? By then, January, we had started vaccines, but these vaccines production and testing was a bit delayed. And we are a big population in India, as you know. So what happened from March, again, the second wave started. And by then, the healthcare facilities which we had constructed, we thought we are over, we have overcome the corona. So some of them were dismantled. And we have not had not prepared properly for the second wave. We thought we are immune to it. We thought we are we are not going to get affected by the second wave. But sadly, the second wave came, and this time the virus was very very virulent, and it struck us so badly that mortality was very very high. It was the new cases were in lakhs, and the deaths were in thousands, and it slowly crept up to. Lacks. So now this it came. The scientists started saying tsunami has hit us like a uh, coronavirus has hit us like a tsunami, and we somehow survived the second wave. Yes, as you said, the rural population were badly hit because the rural population, as you know, I think you have an idea about how the healthcare exists in India: the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary. Primary yes. healthcare is in the villages the primary health center community health center and the secondary healthcare in the district hospitals and the tertiary healthcare is in the cities big cities and where the medical colleges exist so these poor rural people they had to go to the prime secondary and the tertiary centers so transport was an issue food was an issue and the ignorance because of lack of education made them hesitate to take the vaccines which started from january we started giving vaccines both covaxin and covishield were plenty but the villages needed a lot of persuasion to take the vaccine even in the cities people were scared to take the vaccine because they thought they would die so only after the second wave came in and people realized that the vaccine is necessary for us to survive vaccine was vaccination came into force fully but when people wanted to take it i heard that india had very little how yeah the astrazeneca which was in a good production was sent to some of the countries which needed it so we thought because we are uh, our karma siddhanta or our nature says share with people so we shared with other countries less uh, the needy countries which were not producing because i can say proudly india is one of the uh, foremost country which is pro- producing the vaccines so we shared it but then we realized first we have to vaccinate our people so we stopped sharing it and then on uh, we said sent it to all the villages and mafsils and the districts and now i think we are comfortably handling the vaccination process and i also heard that there was lot there was lots of oxygen shortage oxygen shortage you want to understand why it came yeah, yeah. why did oxygen shortage come how yeah so again now let me tell you let me proceed again from the primary the secondary and the tertiary care the primary care is a primary health center wherein only a op outpatient is being conducted okay it doesn't have uh, beds some of the primary health centers which are big community health centers have beds and they have oxygen 
and the secondary centers like the district hospitals have oxygen supply and the tertiary hospitals also have oxygen supply by now what has happened the second wave had become so more fearful and virulent that people started rushing in other than corona also people started becoming apprehensive and they started imagining that they're not able to breathe properly so as a result the oxygen scarcity happened and some of the rich and affluent started buying the oxygen cylinders and storing them at home which is a terrible thing to do but unfortunately this was done so i think our prime minister sprung in and he spoke to the oxygen cylinder companies and the oxygen was pumped in and later on the icu beds were increased and we could handle the oxygen uh, problem beyond covid what are some of the problems that that exist within medical services in rural india yeah in rural area actually uh, in one way corona or covid has uh, uh, has come to us like a double edged weapon uh, it has exposed the lacuna in our healthcare it has shown us that there is a need to allocate more funds for healthcare and it has shown us that we need to strengthen our healthcare more it is not like a knee jerk reaction when there is a something which is uh, falling on our head we react and then we just keep quiet sleep and then again react when some other virus or some other bacteria comes in so other problems which we have in our rural is mainly the healthcare professional scarcity healthcare professionals it also means doctors it also means nurses and the paramedical staff like technicians ward boys and class for employees what happens is in the rural background the doctors most of them who are post graduates they want to stay in the cities or maximum in the districts so they don't usually prefer to go to the primary health centers like villages in my research i found that india has less than one doctor for every 1000 people which yeah. seems very low why is it yeah. so you will be surprised if i tell you in 2018 itself we have reached our goal of 14000 population but unfortunately this includes the uh, our uh, people along with ayush our uh, mbbs people along with ayush ayush i think you know what uh, the full form of ayush is ayurveda yoga naturopathy dunani and yes uh, siddha and homeopathy these are all alternative medicines okay so this ayush the government has started and it is trying to strengthen ayush with uh, most of us feel that ayush has to be accepted by the people because this is sort of a uh, uh, benefit for us which is has been existing in our country and we have to strengthen it for so when we take the count of the mbbs doctors as as you said the ratio is 1.4 is it to 1000 population but we are hoping to reach 1 in 1000 by 24 vedant because lot of medical colleges are coming in. and uh, now the goal of prime minister and uh, the chief ministers of all the states is have a medical college for each district so that the medical uh, students increase and they're also simultaneously increase in the post graduate seats 
the last 10 years has seen a lot of upsurge in the number of undergraduate and postgraduate seats so that the medical students can serve the population. But hopefully soon, we'll have lots of doctors in India. Actually, uh, let me tell you, Kerala has the highest number of doctors. And uh, the ratio is almost 4 is to 1,000 population. Because Kerala has a lot of people who are educated, which makes a lot of difference. It's one thing to increase the number of doctors, but how do you make them go to rural areas to set up clinics? Yeah. Uh, let me take the example of myself. I passed out in 82. Under 83, I graduated with my, completed my internship. That time, the state government had recruited 300 lady doctors. Lady doctors. We all went into the primary health centers and worked there for three years. And then we were given the weightage of in-service candidates. So as an in-service candidate, I did my post-graduation. MD pathology. So there, I think I have benefited by working in a primary health center. Definitely, I could get a nice degree. So that those are the incentives. And now the governments are also promising that they would give the doctors increased incentives in the form of salary. They will give them good uh, quarters and give them a class for employees to work in the houses and give them comforts and give them some extra leaves so that they'll be induced and they would like to go to the primary health centers and the rural areas. That's really good. I hope it works. You have established trauma care centers. What yes. is the role that they play? Yeah. Uh, trauma care centers... This was a big challenge when I was a director of medical education. And uh, I think you know about the first uh, fire plan, the second year, uh, second fire plan like that. So the 11th fire plan uh, wanted to start tra trauma care centers. So 140 trauma care centers were there originally. Trauma care centers are nothing but let me take an example. You're going from one place to another in India. Let me, we are talking about India, isn't it? Uh, these trauma care centers exist in all the countries. Yeah. In India, you are going on a tour. Okay. So you are going from, suppose, let me take the example of Bangalore. You are coming from Bangalore to Hyderabad. Right. On the way, you see an accident. Right. And you don't know if there's a car accident, a lorry has come and hit the car, and four or five people are lying on the road bleeding. Okay, what would anybody do? What would anybody do? They could go and call the ambulance to Yes, to yes. if it was, yeah, it was in there. Uh, but how many of the people would stop? They would just look at the car, the accident, and then just go away because they're scared of litigation and getting called to the uh, court of law. Okay, so the trauma care centers were established between the major cities and the districts on the national highways. Why the national highways? Because the national highways, the truck drivers, the trucks and the large vehicles go. Not only in India, in all the countries. And sometimes these drivers, what happens is they don't sleep properly or they're intoxicated. They go and hit a 
car or something. So these people who are injured have to be shifted to the trauma care centers. And let me tell you that these trauma care centers are five types. Okay. Uh, one first one, trauma care center one, two, three, four, five. Five is nothing but an ambulance. Let us come in an inverse way. From five, let us come to one. Five is an ambulance equipped with oxygen cylinder and emergency trucks. So there is an accident. Luckily, in our country, even if the police are not there, somebody who's traveling by or some local people inform the police or call an ambulance. So level five is ambulance where the patients are put into the ambulance and shifted to the nearby hospital. Okay, level four is a primary health center. Level three is a district hospital. Level four, uh, level two is a medical college. Level one, which is the most uh, the sophisticated and most equipped, is a tertiary care center where all the specialists are there. If suppose a person has a fracture, is operated on, uh, there is a head injury, immediately the brain is open. So all the care is taken. So the, the government aims to have primary health care centers, uh, the trauma care centers, 85 more. So this happened. And now they want to have you know, victims not less than 50 kilometers. The governments, the, both the central government and the state governments feels that they should not travel more than 50 kilometers. And one trauma care center for every 100 kilometers should be there. Why? Let me tell you why we are in a hurry to shift these patients to the nearest medical trauma care center because there is a golden hour. Golden hour is nothing but suppose a victim is hit at nine o'clock, let us think. Okay, nine o'clock in the night. By 10 o'clock, this person needs treatment, which is known as first aid. Right. So if he gets the treatment in this first one hour, which is known as golden hour, there is a very large chance of this patient surviving. This is the intention of having the trauma care centers. Otherwise, the patient would be rushed to a nearby clinic. The doctor would be scared to treat or do prefers to care and send to the nearest city. Thereby then, this first golden hour is gone and the patient has no chance. I really hope more trauma care centers come on the highways so that more people can survive. Yes. Yes. We also hope that, Vedan. Can you share any tips? Can you share any tips for my listeners on what yes. they should do if they yes. see anyone who has met with an accident? Okay. Uh, let us take an example that maybe you are going in a car, right? You're going in a car and let me tell you, most of the accidents happen in the early hours of the day, around 2.30, 3 or 4. That's because that is the time when the driver feels sleep, both of the truck or the lorry or two cars or whatever. So there is an accident. And you have gone to a place and you have seen an accident just happening in front of you. And you stopped. Right. Let me tell you about a good Samaritan. Have you heard about the term Samaritan? Samaritan. A good Samaritan is a person who does good for everybody. Previously, suppose you, you saw an accident, you helped them out, took them to the hospital, you would be called to the court of law at least 10 times. 
and you would never again you would feel i should never again stop why am i wasting my time like this so in 2016 march government has brought in the good samaritan law wherein anybody can stop help an accident case and then proceed on his way he doesn't need to come again or have any legal problems so here you have seen a case and what you have to do let me tell you very simply we have to follow the rule of a b c right a stands for airway airway is where most of the times the accident takes place and the victim chokes on his saliva or blood so we have to see that the airway is cleared so we have to just see that the tongue is not obstructing his uh, airway b b is for breathing right you should see that the patient is breathing and if it comes to that just put a handkerchief on his mouth and try to get mouth to mouth breath third c is for circulation most of the time in the trauma cases the victims die because of bleeding okay so um, basic first aid is we have to tie up the leg or the uh, hand or wherever it is bleeding with a cloth and just that stops the bleeding or at least slows down the bleeding till the ambulance comes first to arrive would be the police inform the police call for an ambulance and stay beside the victim till they are taken and handled by the healthcare professionals if i see anyone who goes who has had an accident i will make sure to do all of that and i will make sure my listeners do also that's excellent vedan and always we carry bottles of water so we can sprinkle some water on the face and give them some water if they ask for it otherwise they would choke on it so we we have to not meddle too much if we are not medical professionals let us not meddle too much just follow the rule of a b c it's good that the government brought in the good samaritan law otherwise people would not stop for others yes they would yes. what made you choose to be a doctor what did you want to be as a child i grew up in nagarjun sagar have you heard about it it's a big irrigation project there is a big dam if you come down here you can have a look at it it's now full of you have been there yeah krishna river is the river base so i grew up there and uh, as i was studying my main goal was to become an ias a collector uh, i because i love to do administration and i wanted to change the world that was my goal when i was young uh, anything which is wrong i wanted to correct it and uh, ask the people to do it correctly do it in the proper way but somewhere during my 8th or 9th class i realized that uh, it is staying in nagarjun sagar i can't train myself because this was in 76 i can't train myself to become an ias and i have to completely go the other way channelize myself differently so then i studied for ncert and then i did my medicine from gandhi medical college and when i became the principal of usmania medical college and then when i became the director of medical education there i realized that post was a state officer post so there i realized yes i was almost like a ias officer i was able to implement a lot of things i could contribute to the welfare of the 
their students and the people in the two years period as the director of medical education, which was very satisfying for me. The people of Telangana should be thankful for everything you have done. It was my duty, Vita, because uh, as always I feel we have taken so much from the society, we have to give it back. We have to learn to give it back. And you, you, it's like a saying, you help three people. Those three people will help three more people. It's a chain. It's a human chain where we go on helping one another. What are your hobbies? Hobbies, a lot of hobbies are there. I, teaching is my passion and it has become my hobby. I read books. I read every kind of book. And I drew, I grew up on Annette Blitton, Nancy Drew. And uh, in my uh, teenage days, I went through Mills and Boons, Georgette Hare. And then I went through uh, 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 Perry Mason also. And then I started reading Stephen King, Robin Cook, everything, all the books. And I write. I write articles. And I am also uh, very fond of traveling. Veda. I've traveled almost three-fourths of the world. And I'm a travel blogger. And uh, I write articles in such a way that you just take the article and then you can go and see the work, the place. Suppose I've seen uh, written about Bhutan. You can just take my article, go see Bhutan and come. And I give where which hotels to go, uh, stay in and where to go and house, what places to see. New Zealand, a lot of places I have covered. So I'm a travel blogger. I love gardening. I love interacting with children. I love life because I want to enjoy life. That's my goal. I have a travel journal. Oh, that's good. Okay. So, so when I used to travel, I used to like say what I learned over there and what to do, what I did. Oh, that's good. I would love to read it. I'll follow your travel blog and use it whenever we travel, if we ever get to travel again. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you, Vedant. It was indeed a great pleasure. And really, it's, I'm stunned to see such wisdom in such a young boy. And I hope you keep it up and you grow up to be a good human being because this is the first characteristic which I like and I want to everybody because you're the future generation and our future lies in your hands. It should be in safe hands like yours. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vedant. It was nice meeting you. Yes. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page Curious Vedant to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen at leisure on your phone and get notified about future episodes, subscribe by searching for Curious Vedant wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. Don't forget to read and leave comments.